So have you ever been listening to a song before? Maybe a song that's a favorite, one that you seem to know really well, but maybe at one point, suddenly it strikes you different. You notice a lyric, you notice something different than you ever have before. Well, there was a popular song uh, in the 90s that we sang at Bible camp a lot, and it also was a contemporary worship song in many churches. It was a song called Holiness, or subtitled Take My Life. And it was a very just easy to sing song, so that's why we would do it at camp. And it was simply started, holiness, holiness, holiness is what I long for, holiness is what I need, holiness is what you want from me. And once you were done with that line, you went on to the next one, and it was faithfulness, and then it was righteousness, and then it was gentleness. And so it was just this positive song, you know, very biblical. Well, I bought a CD from a worship band back in the 90s, and I was sitting down to listen, and this song came on, and it was very familiar, holiness and faithfulness and righteousness. And then They slowed it down and they sang brokenness. Brokenness is what I long for. Brokenness is what I need. Brokenness is what you want from me. And I had to stop for a second and say, wait a second. Is that how that's supposed to go? I mean, I'm on board with holiness and faithfulness and gentleness, but brokenness, that sounds painful and it sounds uncomfortable. I mean, Why would you sing about that? Well, I later found out, one, that that was an original lyric in the song, and two, that brokenness is a major theme in Scripture. And so today, I am going to preach to you about our need to be broken. And I'll say right up front that your natural reaction to this might be to tune it out or to blow it off or to get defensive because this is certainly not an easy thing to do or to pray for. It's not even an easy thing to wrap our heads around. Yet, I think if we are willing to pray this dangerous prayer today, we'll experience incredible blessing and growth in our relationship with Jesus. And it's something that we see all throughout the Bible. So if I were to ask you, if you want to grow closer to God, or if you have some junk in your life that you would love to get rid of, or if you're ready for God to change your life for the better, or if you'd simply like to become more like Jesus, I think most of you who are watching today would say yes to at least one of those things. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe all of them. Yet if you want God to accomplish those things in your life, I think we all know it would mean making changes. You know, we can't just stay the same. We can't be in the status quo. Instead, to change, to see that kind of transformation means we have to allow God to come in And do hard work in us. And to do that, some things are going to have to be broken in us. And we are going to have to be be radically transformed to be more like him. You see, the truth is, for there to be a breakthrough, something has to break. And I'll say that one more time. For there to be a breakthrough in your life, something has to break. 
Now, I think every one of us would say we wish it didn't have to happen like this. It would be so much easier if we could just change, if we could experience breakthrough without any difficulty or pain or struggle. But we know this from almost every aspect of our life, that breakthrough takes breaking. I mean, if you want to get in shape and build up your muscle mass, if you want to run a marathon, if you want to master a new skill, it actually takes brokenness to move forward and to grow. You know, when you lift weights, what happens is that your muscles actually break down and then they heal back up and they grow stronger. You know, I've been doing a workout regimen for quite a while now and we were in the gym the other day lifting weights and our instructor kept saying, if it doesn't hurt, you're not going to change. If it doesn't hurt, you're not going to change. You see, it takes breakthrough. In order to have breakthrough, things need to break. Now, it goes for running, too. If you've ever been a runner, if you want to run any distance, it takes breaking through barriers. Now, sometimes that's mental barriers. Other times, it's physical barriers. But again, if you want to experience breakthrough, you need to have some brokenness. Now, when you're mastering a skill, the same thing can be true. You have to work through breaking bad habits. You have to break through getting to the perfect technique and developing a mastery of those skills. For there to be breakthrough, something has to break. Now, there are so many different ways that we can experience brokenness in our life. You know, sometimes you can be broken through life circumstances. Can you think of a time when that's happened to you? Can you think of a time in your life when you have experienced brokenness? Now, for some of you, maybe it's today. Maybe you experience that right now. But maybe brokenness has come through the loss of a loved one or from stress or from disappointment or from discouragement, from frustration or anxiety. Or maybe you're just plain sick of this pandemic that we're in. But as you've experienced brokenness through your life, perhaps you can look back and see how God has come alongside you and he's picked you back up and he's put the pieces back together in his own perfect timing. And it's through that process that you receive new strength and new courage and new confidence and your character is grown see, God says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so it's in those times that we are brought low and we are broken that we are most open to God's power and God's work. Now we need to remember, church, God doesn't cause every bad thing to happen, but he can use everything for good. He's able to come in and use our brokenness and use our low spots and use our frustrations to bring good and to bring growth. Now, one of the amazing ways that he does this and he redeems our brokenness is that oftentimes the best ministry that we can do flows out of our brokenness. Oftentimes we can discover what our ministry can be when we experience brokenness in our life. When we go through a season of deep hurt or deep pain, 
And then we come through it on the other side. And suddenly we are uniquely qualified. We are equipped to walk with others who are facing the same struggles. And we see this all the time when it comes to infertility or marriage problems or parenting troubles or addictions. I have a good friend named Paul who, when he was about 16 years old, became a heavy drug addict. He dropped out of high school and he ran away from home. And for many years, he was heavily addicted to drugs. Well, eventually he went through treatment and he turned his life around and he became a Christian. And now today, he is a drug treatment counselor helping youth all over the Twin Cities. You see, God was able to take his brokenness and give him a ministry to help others. Well, also, as we grow in Christ, we will find our heart breaking for the things that break his heart. You know, when we experience God's grace and love personally in our own lives, then we naturally find ourselves more sensitive to others. You know, we can't walk through this world any longer with blinders on when we see the pain around us. Our heart breaks for those who are hopeless, for those who are alone, people in despair, victims of injustice and inequality. There was a young woman in a church I used to serve who came up through our youth group and her heart broke for victims of human trafficking. And so after college, she found a ministry in Cambodia and she moved to Cambodia to work with this ministry where she would mentor young girls who were rescued from trafficking. You see, her heart broke for what breaks God's heart and she found a way to serve him in that. Well, also, the kind of brokenness that I want to focus on with you in our time that's left is a brokenness that's focused on humbling and surrendering and dying to ourself. In Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 9, Jesus tells a parable. And this is how it goes. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And so Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified, made right before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's interesting to note, Jesus starts by 
talking to this crowd of people who are described as having great confidence in their own righteousness. They have a pretty high opinion of themselves. And so what Jesus does is tell this story, this parable, about two men with completely different postures. The first guy is focused on everybody else's shortcomings and sins. He gives his own resume. He says, look how great I am. I'm so much better than everybody else. But the second guy has a completely different posture and outlook. You see, he is humbled and he is broken and he is sorry. He simply asks God for his mercy and he keeps the focus solely on his own guilt and sin. And Jesus, in telling this story about a Pharisee, a religious man, and a despised tax collector, he flips the conventional wisdom upside down. And he says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I think every one of us, at least from time to time, struggles at being like the Pharisee. You know, when we criticize other people and look down on them to try to make ourselves look better, when we decide we can do life alone because we've got everything under control, when we live under the illusion that we're really not that bad compared to everybody else, when we put our confidence in our knowledge or our books or our theology instead of God, you know, it's so much easier to look down on others and to point out their faults because what it does is it allows us to puff ourselves up and have a false sense of security and control and holiness. And really, in the end, what it does is it causes us to hold parts of our life back from God. It causes us to put our trust in our own abilities instead of in him. And as Jesus points out, that kind of outlook, that kind of posture, it's going to lead to hurt, and it's going to lead to us being humbled. So last week, if you were with us, as we began this dangerous prayer series, we asked and we prayed for God to search our hearts. And now what God is inviting us to do is to pray to him, for him to come and break anything in us that he finds that's holding us back from the life that he wants for us. You see, the first step last week was bringing it to light. And now today, the next step is asking God to finally remove what he finds that doesn't honor him. Whether it's pride, whether it's control issues, whether it's superiority, judgmentalism, self-sufficiency, negativity, a critical spirit, anger issues, it really comes down to what kind of posture we have towards God. There was a theologian who once said, we're either going to say in the end, my will be done or thy will be done. And to move from my to thy takes humility. It takes breaking our selfishness and our pridefulness. But you see, it's precisely when we are humbled 
and when we are broken and when we are brought low, that God is able to step in and raise us up higher like Jesus talks about in this parable when he says those who are humbled will be exalted. Well, the Apostle Paul is a perfect example of this from the New Testament because Paul was broken of his pride, his persecution and hatred of Christians, and of his powerful position in society. And even though he experienced all this brokenness, he had this amazing outlook on life because of his faith and dependence on Jesus. And so he said in Romans 14, 8, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. You see, Paul shows us that broken people aren't attached to this life. They're attached to Jesus. They know there's nothing in this life that can truly fulfill them. So they cling to Jesus. Now, Paul went through an amazing amount of hardships in his life. He was jailed many times. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was persecuted. He was executed. But Paul says he's not going to boast in any of his achievements. He says he's going to simply day-to-day live out his weaknesses and his struggles. And he says he's able to do this. He says it's valuable. He says it's worth it. And the way he puts it is, I consider everything else in my life to be worthless compared to knowing Christ. He constantly said all he wanted was to know Jesus more, to be more like him, and to even share in his sufferings. Now the truth is, the only way we can experience a resurrection is to die first. New life that Jesus offers to us requires a death. Jesus put it this way. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. Now, to take up your cross, that sounds dangerous. It sounds scary. It sounds painful. But it's only through our death, the death of our self, that we will experience real life. And it's then that with Paul, we are able to say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. Now, C.S. Lewis, the great writer and theologian, had an amazing quote that talks about this. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your money, and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it, but to have it out completely. Hand over your whole natural self. All the desires which you think are innocent as well as the ones that are wicked. 
the whole outfit, I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. You see, that's what it means to be broken. It means that we allow Jesus to come fully within us and do a completely new work in us. Now, there are two stories back-to-back in Mark chapter 14 that I think give a picture of what this looks like. Now, the first story we heard in our gospel reading, it's a story of a sinful woman who met a man who treated her differently and who then caused her to worship extravagantly. Jesus is at the home of a man named Simon the leper, which again spotlights how Jesus was always drawn to broken people. But this also kind of sounds like a joke, doesn't it? A rabbi named Jesus, a leper named Simon, and a prostitute all come into the same home? The woman brings an expensive perfume out. Its value is equivalent to one year's wages. And she breaks the jar open and pours it out on Jesus' head. Now, scholars tell us that perfume like this was like a calling card for a prostitute at this time. When she would put it on and walk past men in the street, it was like a marketing campaign. It would guarantee that she would have clients who would pay her the income that she needed And so on this day, when she took this incredibly valuable perfume and she broke it open and poured it over Jesus' head, she was essentially saying, I am done with my past and I'm giving you my future. So she broke it open and she poured it out, all of it. And in doing so, she's saying, you can have all of my life, all that I am, She was willing to be broken and humbled. Her heart was transformed, and she worshiped Jesus in an extravagant way. Now, the people who were gathered at the home were shocked by this. Imagine if you and I were there, we would be absolutely blown away. But here's what Jesus has to say to the crowd and to us He says, I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And 2,000 years later, he's right, because today we are still remembering this incredible story. You see, in the same way, today God is inviting us to break with our past so that we can give him our future. The picture we have here is of being broken and poured out. You see, that's what he wants from us, to be broken and then poured out. Well, in the very next story in Mark chapter 14, it's a story of Jesus eating the Passover meal, his last supper with his friends, the disciples. And in verse 22, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it into pieces 
and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, for this is my body. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they drank from it and he said to them, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. And again, it's this image of being broken and poured out. Jesus says, my body is broken for you. My blood is poured out for you. Luke tells the same story in his gospel, Luke 22. But he adds to it. He says, Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces, gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He says, do this. Now, usually we just interpret that very narrowly. And we say, well, it just must mean we should celebrate communion together every so often. But I think what he's really doing is inviting us to a completely new way of life. He's calling us to live a life of brokenness, where we are broken and fully dependent on God. He's calling us to be broken and then to be poured out for the sake of others. To be broken and then to be poured out for the sake of others. Which means we are living the way Jesus lived and the way that he calls us to live in response. Do this in remembrance of me. So what if today you would ask God, God, break me. Break me of my pride. Break me of my love of stuff or money. Break me of my selfishness. Break me of anything that gets in the way of me living for you and loving like you do. See, the gospel is really an invitation to give up your old life, to die so that you can truly live. Now, sometimes this means small things being broken, and other times it takes a huge breaking in our life. See, the thing is, when the woman in the the story from Mark chapter 14, when she broke open the jar of perfume, she didn't hold back a single drop. She was saying to Jesus, I'm giving you my entire life. I'm not holding anything back. When Jesus' body was broken for you, he gave his whole life, all that he was. So the question for each one of us today is are you holding anything back? Is there anything getting in the way of your walk with Jesus? Maybe it's time today for you to finally ask God to break you so that you can experience a breakthrough. God, break my sin, break my will, break whatever is holding me back, from following you. And then we are called to go and pour out into the lives of others. In this community, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces, wherever we go. So here's your homework. 
Simple bit of homework. I want to challenge you to do this this week. To pray this dangerous prayer. To pray, God, break me. And then to listen to his voice. And so your homework is take a sheet of paper, make two columns, and at the top of one column, put broken. And the top of the other column, put poured out. Then spend some time with the Lord. Listen to his voice. And in the one column, write down, what does he want to break in your life? What are those things that are holding you back? And then in the other column, where is he calling you to pour out into others? How does he want you to make a difference in other people's lives? Church, we are called to be broken and to be poured out for the sake of Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your love, your grace, how you are how you care about every aspect of our life, every detail of our life. And God, you know every one of us carries a lot of junk with us. Every one of us holds things back from you. Yet you invite us to go through this process of breaking so that we can experience real life with you. And so God, give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the reassurance to pray this dangerous prayer, to allow you to come into our heart and soul and to break us open so that we can pour out for you, so that we can make a difference in this world. Help us to be broken so that we can be poured out. Help us to share your love with every person we meet. And so God, we're thankful again for who you are, for what you've done, and above all else, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we pray this in his name, and let's all say together, amen. Well, church, receive the benediction. As you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over you, and within you to give you his love and his everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.